Hi guys, welcome to the quarantine edition of Beauty and the Brain. I am here with my other half, David Haggerty. Hello, David. Hello, how are you? <laughs> and we are here with a dear friend of ours who we met at the conference. I feel like a lot of the guests on Emotional Support and Beauty and the Brain are all from the Kindred Conference and events. Um, Matthew, I'm not going to even attempt to say your last name because every time I do it, it's so embarrassing. Actually, let's do this. David, can you say Matthew's last name? Not going to even take a shot. (laughs) (laughs) Matthew Postlewaite. See, I wanted to say Postlewaite, but that's not right. No, it's like Postle, then Waite. So like Apostle. Exactly. Yeah, it actually derives from... The apostles, the prostitutes to the apostles. So the prostitutes. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So my family. Yeah, you know. Oh my gosh! Well, your house is beautiful. Thank you so much for allowing us in this. I think we asked you less than an hour ago, and the fact that you're doing this is just real fun for us. We love having our friends as guests, and it feels so important to see you right now. I feel. We were just talking about how, yes, we have to create distance and we can't disconnect, but it's also really weird to be on Zoom and be doing a recording. And we were talking about how I have a full face of fucking makeup on because I can't even look at myself without makeup in a Zoom one more time because I feel like a disaster of a human being. And this is just the new reality for right now. No, we've been DMing quite, quite a bit, me and you, Alessandro, but like, we haven't FaceTimed and me and David just reconnected what yeah. yesterday or yesterday. Oh yeah. my god, stop how cute. Last night. Mm. Too, over mm. See? So. We're all connected. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Distance, but what's the saying? Distance not disconnect. Uh yeah. Matthew, how have you been doing during this whole quarantine experience? Um <laughs> the last two days i've been great i've been really good these last two days and i'm very grateful for that um before that i think i think it took me a while to adjust and i don't know if it's the best thing that i'm really adjusting because now that i'm adjusted i feel like there's going to be a massive period when we're starting to come back to normality that's going to be really it's going to give me a lot of anxiety but yeah. for now i'm pretty good um uh, i have i've, I've um I've started my, up my therapist again. I've been contemplating taking medication again. Wow. It's yeah. like, there's been This a lot. is so fascinating because we were just talking about this in yeah. the previous episode that we were recording on how so many people, what's going to be so fascinating is so many people who have not really worked on, and I know that you've worked on your mental health, so I'm excluding you from this, but it's the same sort of idea. So this is not meant to, anyways. (laughs) But how so many people who have never had to deal with their mental health or have kind of brushed it off and not really believed that it's really a true thing, how now that they are sitting at their home and they have literally nothing else to do but go through their mind, how all of these new issues are going to come up and how finally the only way for us all to connect to one another is talking about our mental health and how we've never heard people talk about mental health so much in our entire lives as they have during Corona. 
Yeah, I, I agree. The first two, three weeks was a massive struggle for me. And a lot of things came up, a lot of things that I really hadn't dealt with. Um, it, but like now, like this last week, there's kind of been a shift where I'm kind of loving myself again and, and going along with the ride. But it was like, what was it? Five days ago, I drank two bottles of wine. Finally. I'm so jealous that you could do that. I would have been puking my brains out. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, this is stupid, Matt. You're numbing yourself. Like, but I'm my awareness of my actions, because I'll have a glass of wine, but like two bottles, like I had a party yeah. with myself. So that's not. That's but I mean, did you have fun? I had a lot of fun. But <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that's all that matters. <laughs> no, but honestly, I, I think that that's pretty um, big for you to know and recognize that that's not how you normally behave and that you are numbing yourself. Because I, I'm not a believer in pushing sobriety on people and doing all this. I'm with someone who's sober. I don't drink because I can't because I throw up after one drink. And I come from a family of alcoholics on my dad's side. So I don't really want to push with that danger. Um, I got enough problems going on for that. But, you know, it, it, it is interesting to me because I can recognize uh, certain characteristics in people with alcohol, or even if they're not alcoholics, they are in quotes, dry alcoholics, because that's what I am. Mm -hmm. I'm a dry alcoholic where I don't actually physically drink, but I have the symptoms and the patterns of being an alcoholic. Yeah. And it's interesting to see people recognize that in one another. So is that when you don't necessarily crave alcohol, but you have the symptoms of an alcoholic, if that makes sense. Is that what a dry alcoholic means? David, is that what it means? I mean, this is your field, but I've just been told this. Yeah. No, I mean, there's like, there's sort of a couple different definitions, but like, I feel like I'm a good anecdote. Like I have a friend who chooses not to drink anymore, but like, I will watch that person like chug water bottles. Like, like the, the way that they drink, like, is like, it's very... I don't know if it's so much like alcohol craving. David, what are you implying like, that yeah, I have 32-ounce iced tea next to me right now? No, but it's just like, you know, like, even though they're not drinking alcohol, like, they'll binge drink whatever they're drinking. So it's like a very, it's like there's a lot of behavior behind it um, that might be driven by, I mean, like, again, like, nobody really knows. Like, I use the royal like, weed here of, as like, research, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's, like, like an there's definitely behavioral food. symptoms. Yeah. I mean, like, you see it how with people eat, how people take drugs. Like, a lot of, like, my favorite sort of drug research field is called sign tracking. So it's, like, this idea that, like, trigger warning, but, like, you know, like, people that see needles that used to be IV drug users, like, that's enough of a trigger for them to, like, mm. have a craving to use drugs again. So, like, wow. watching people drink specific things, like, there's, like, signs that, like, will trigger people that like to like you to like do behaviors that they used to do when they were like drinking or using drugs. So like for some people, like literally drinking like glasses of water can be a sign that triggers them and it'll just like start like literally like binge drinking water because that's like their brain getting into that behavioral pattern of like even though it's not booze that's making them intoxicated, like we're just switching out booze for water and they'll still drink it the same way they would if it were booze so wow. there's like a lot of like patterning and stuff that like gets like sort of ingrained in your brain that's like you know the sort of like circuitry or like you know like brain patterning behind 
like addiction um, that we're trying to figure out. Does so it, it is like there's so many different layers to it, but yeah. Does it? There's, like a, there's a large genetic component for alcoholism. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, mental health as well. You know what I mean? Patty's like, like, well, where do I yeah. start then with the <laughs> yeah. family? <laughs> no, yeah, trust me. I mean, like, I did not win the lottery when it came to the genetic code either. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I was like, can't we, I was like, you know, I was joking with Annie and I was like, can we do designer babies yet? Like, you know, like <laughs> just like get rid of all the bad stuff in our genetic code. <laughs> designer baby. Yeah. If you're, if you're crazy enough to bring a child into this world, knowing what we know at this point, like you should at least get some tools and resources. Oh my right? God. I can't wait to have a bipolar baby. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, but Matthew, now we'll have- know what to look for. Well, I do know what to look for. I'm telling you, I think it would be really help, easy. It'd be a breeze. It'd be exhausting yeah. and fun, but it'd be a breeze. Yeah. But now, I mean, Matthew, when you, we were talking about therapy, how David was saying it's going to be a totally new normal where you're going to see teletherapy, where it's going to yeah. be all over, you know, face-to-face on Zooms and FaceTimes. Mm-hmm. And was that hard for you or easy for you to kind of make that transition because you already knew your therapist before, didn't know. That's kind of what we're trying to figure out. Like what? Well, I, I've had my therapist for a while. Um, and sometimes I'm on the road quite a bit. So I'll literally call him anyway while I'm away. Right. So mm-hmm. It's not an unusual thing. Do I prefer face-to-face? Yeah, but do I get the same benefits? Just having someone hear me and hear my thoughts and hear all my thoughts, like the really deep stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get the same benefit if it's over the phone, which is, which is pretty great. Um, yeah, I think there's going to be a massive shift in terms of technology, especially moving forward, even when things go back to normal. I think like this is going to become a norm, normal thing. Yeah, I, I think it is the new normal. It was my best friend's birthday yesterday, and we celebrated her birthday over Zoom. We did like a mini surprise Zoom birthday party with like 17 people that came on. And she was like, this is the best birthday I've ever had. Like, this is my dream birthday. I don't have to stress about it. I can just press a button to go home. Like, we can just laugh and have our own stuff going on. And she's like, I think even if there wasn't a quarantine, I'd do my birthday like this, you know? And it's funny. It's like, I don't know. It's just, it's weird. I I I think that things will evolve and change and maybe I'm just optimistic, but I do think that we're going to become connected in a very different way than we were before. I agree. I just literally about an hour ago, I had a voice class over, over FaceTime uh, by the piano. And like, normally I'd go, I'd drive an hour to his house and then an hour back and I'm like, Oh, wait, I- that's so weird. Sturgis and I yeah, like- had a voice, our vocal class mm-hmm. on zoom with yeah. other people and we were singing on zoom and it was like the craziest thing okay. amazing yeah oh my god i love that well i think the person that's having it the hardest time right now is we were saying david because all the labs are closed and that's just such a change of identity yeah not being able to do your job like even like i'm doing my job like in a diminished capacity but like you know like my identity is kind of scientist, you know, like that's what I am. So like when somebody puts the handcuffs on you, I mean like, yes, I, we should be social distance. I'm not trying to say that like, I'm going to like, you know, like break quarantine and stuff, but like, yeah. it is really hard to be like, to somebody to tell you to be like, no, you can't do this anymore. 
and like you like sort of go back to the drawing board on your identity and you're like you know these yeah. past three four weeks have been like a very difficult time mm. like the most anxious i've been in a long time like the most like i was just you know like well, this morning i looked at annie and i was like i'm just sad like you know like i haven't felt this way like there's a reason behind it but you know like the emotion is so much bigger than the impetus right now so david did you has it been affecting like your relationship for the better or for worse or i mean i think it's it's been like a really positive experience because like annie and i are quarantining in the house together like you have to have tough conversations there's nowhere to hide did you live like, together before <laughs> We were long distance for almost two years and then we moved directly into each other's like same house. So I think we're pretty good. I also think that like the long distance it helped because like, you know, like we didn't get to see each other every day. So now we're on the other end of the spectrum, but it's like, we learned to sort of communicate and talk about our emotions from afar and like have tough conversations, like not face to face. And like we moved in, we're like pretty good about it, but um, quarantine has definitely been, she has handled it with like flying colors and I'm the one who's like starting the fights and like has zero fuse. So like, I feel bad about it. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah. I'm getting better. Like I had like a rough couple, you know, days, week there. Um, and then I sort of like regroup. I talked to my therapist a couple of days ago and I was just like, you know, like when everything else is, was like normal pre Corona, you know, like I had, other like coping mechanisms or like strategies, you know what I mean? Like there was so much more like diversity of ways to like let my anger out and like mm-hmm. frustration and anxiety out. And then those all sort of just like disappeared overnight. And I'm like, she was the only person that was there that I could sort of like interact with. So like, obviously I started taking those things out on her, like didn't mean to, but it was just like, that's all I sort of had. So it was like a little bit of a readjustment period where I was like, I need to like figure out how to like find some more bandwidth and like, not be so you know like quick to like snap or like just sort of short circuit in that sense it's so totally about the short circuit yeah Wait, it's I been have like a, a really real learning experience of like how to like cohabitate like you know 24 hours a day all the time i have a really interesting question um that came in and i felt um maybe this would both be for you as well when I when I heard this because it affected me and the question was like in regards to quarantine and it was when is it anxiety and when do you actually need the medicine like how can we determine obviously go to a doctor but I think that I've had this problem where I know I'm bipolar but my anxiety has been off the roof compared to what it ever was before. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of me that's like, Oh my God, should I be like dying? Like, like given Xanax? Like, is this normal? My anxiety? Is it because of the quarantine that we're in? And obviously, yes, it's because we're all quarantined and going stir crazy, but just in general for anxiety in the mm-hmm. sense, do you ever question like when it should be medicine mm-hmm. when it shouldn't like Matthew, have you ever felt that way? I mean, my, um, in, in terms of depression and anxiety, uh, the way I define it and know is that when you have the, uh, the depressive symptoms or the anxiety symptoms, when there's nothing truly to be depressed or sad about. And oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of times like you can be like, oh, I'm depressed because, oh, this is happening, this, this, this. Well, okay, cool. 
like but if you're depressed and sad and there's nothing really bad going on around you um then that's the distinguishing factor that i know in my mind but it, it's it's going to be tricky because we are in this this quarantine and this confinement so there is something going on so it's going to be it's going to be really hard to actually think if it is right uh but i think david will probably be better answering that question than i am to be honest no, i think that's actually i think that's actually a really good answer you know like i think so too i i mean i this is a tough one so like i'll put on my medical hat and like my white lab coat now but um i think that you know, like building off of your answer, you know, the way that we look at sort of like treatment as a, you know, the gold standard here is talk to your therapist and do cognitive behavioral therapy and pair that with medication. And that is the best sort of statistical outcome that you can get around mental health. So um, I'm a believer in that we should use, um, we should use drugs uh, and therapy sort of as tools to get us from where we need to go from A to B. So like if you're feeling super anxious and you feel like you're not making progress with that anxiety, um, that's obviously a trigger that can lead into a diagnosis. And then like to treat whatever that diagnosis may be, we're going to use the tools that we have available to us. So that's going to be medication and therapy. There's no real side effect to therapy. You can do as much as you want all the time, as much as you want it. It's going to make you feel uncomfortable, but it's not going to like make you have a heart attack. I love that. Um, so, I'm always a big proponent of like, even when you're feeling good, you should always be doing therapy. Like there's no harm that can be done from it. Right. Um, it might make you feel uncomfortable. It might make you have conversations that lead to things that might create harm in your life. But like, I agree that in the out, like in the long run that there will be no sort of adverse effects from therapy. It might bring up hard conversations. It might make you, you know, make like choices that you've been thinking about for a long time. But like, therapy itself like won't hurt you like you're not going to go into the therapist's office and, you know like whatever <laughs> when you talk about medication that's sort of like the add-on tool to therapy it's like you're buying sort of like an add-on or like a subscription package to sort of therapy therapy might be very tough it's hard to talk about these things we use medication in combination with therapy to sort of access areas of our brain or our psyche that make us feel uncomfortable or help calm us down so we can sort of talk about these things um, in a way that like gives us sort of relief and provides us the ability to sort of move forward. So the way I look at it is we should always be doing therapy. We should always be adding medicines in when we think we sort of plateaued, decreased, or like sort of hit a wall in where we're moving in therapy. So the the added stressor of covid right now might be something where you're like i was making progress and now the whole world flipped upside down and i mm -hmm. don't know which way is up and now it's a great time to say i'm going to continue doing therapy and doing this work but i might need a little bit of help or boost so let's think about going back on meds right now it's not something that you're going to have to be on forever it's going to be you know like this is a changing time it's like a, a situation where we're going to add this in for a little bit and then we're going to reassess and then we're going to say, I've made a lot of progress. You know, the world's still probably on fire and, you know, like that everything is fine meme where like the room is on fire and like you're just sitting in the middle of it. But like we made enough progress where then we can take sort of the medicine away and go back to just sort of doing therapy if we need to. So I think that's the way that I sort of look at drugs plus therapy is that it's there's tools that we can apply at specific time points to help us get from A to B.
I do want to note that I had like a very funny conversation with my therapist being like, you know, cause I brought up, you know, like is now a good time to go back on medicine. Like I had the same conversation with my therapist. Oh, right, Cause you're off medicine, right? Yeah. You know, like I brought up a, my therapist actually like sort of challenged me around the medicine and was like, you know, you've been doing therapy, you know, intensively for like the last couple of years. And she's like, not to like compare you to anybody else or how they're dealing with this, but she's like, you've been dealing with acute stressors in your anxiety pre-COVID. She's like, you have more skills than most other people have around dealing with new forms and like uncomfortable forms of stress in your Stop life. Stop bragging, David. Jesus No, Christ. but I mean, it's like, you know what I mean? It's like for, That's like, all he does. It's like to talk about like your point <laughs> of like, you know, like for the first time for a lot of people, this is the first time they've had to confront their emotions. Totally. Versus there's people like us who have had some other life experience or diagnosis that have forced us to confront our emotions in the past. And while this is a different sort of, you know, trigger, you know, like there, there's never been a pandemic before that's made us feel this way. There's been other things that have made us feel this way before, but it's sort of like using that toolbox that you've built for yourself and being like, yeah, it might seem really unfamiliar of why I'm feeling really down or why I'm feeling really depressed or why I'm being manic right now. Mm -hmm. But you already sort of know and have the skills to deal with those emotions. So it's just now learning how to pivot instead of it being like, oh, it's because I have bipolar disorder. It's, oh, because there's a fucking pandemic. So it's like, it's learning how to sort of like readjust the coping mechanisms that you do have to like address a problem that's very new. Mm -hmm. But to say that you don't have any coping skills to deal with COVID is is false because we've all built those skills, whether or not we've been in therapy or not, it's just sort of reframing the issue and learning how to deal with that. If you have a problem or like if you're struggling with reframing that issue, then I think to like answer the question is, is like, that's when you would want to bring in one of the other of those add-ons and either start going to therapy or start thinking about drugs right. to help you deal with those stressors. Right. Well, Long we're gonna to take to a answer, quick. But. <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break, um, and we will come back for part two of this episode. Emotion. Al. Support.